You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears, formerly known as EPT Not Live. It is cold out there today. It is cold out there every day, Joseph. Yes, James, you got it. Tomorrow is Groundhog Day. It is February 1st. I don't know why, but I just love that movie. And so anytime ground I like Groundhog Day the movie way better than actual Groundhog Day. So Was Groundhog Day even a thing before the movie? I mean, I know obviously it was a thing, but no one really knew about it, right? I mean, I, we did because it's like a it's popular with school children. Oh, sweet. So like, yeah, when you're a kid, you're like, did the groundhog see his shadow? So anyway now Joe, Groundhog want, day tomorrow yes buddy i just want to set out our kind of mission statement for today's show right okay. because i know <laughs> oh, that i know there's a lot of bad shit going on in the world but yes as with everything i do in life i'm gonna paint a really piss poor movie metaphor do you remember in titanic how there was the <laughs> band and they were still playing as the ship was going down yes well, basically i want people to forget about the big iceberg Forget about the fact that there are people jumping into freezing waters. Forget about the fact there aren't enough lifeboats. Joe's got the bass, I've got the violin, and we're going to attempt to entertain you and try and keep this a political free zone. That was James's way of telling me not to, to stick to the poker this episode. <laughs> Fine. I will do my best. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk some tea coop. Some Poker Stars London Festival with our guest, Olivia Bray. Finally. She is, yes, finally she will be on the show. We talked to her about weird dreams, and we had her once in a waiting room at the airport. We are having her on as an official guest coming up later on. I went to the NHL All-Star Game over the weekend, had a blast at that. Uh, a couple of fun stories from there. James, I had one of the best movie-going experiences of my life. On Monday night. I saw you tweet about this, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't know if you were being sarcastic or not, but I guess you were genuine. I wasn't. More on that later. I was genuine, I mean. I was not sarcastic. Uh, our super fan, someone I'm very excited about, Gary Davis. It's a name you may have heard us mention on the show before. He is basically the editor-in-chief, and I mean that literally. Like He edits things, and he is the chief of it here on all things Poker Stars TV. We will be having him as both a guest and our super fan, quizzing him on the music from the EPT TV shows and or webcasts. And James, have you listened to Space Monkey yet? Yes, I, I, I downloaded it this morning. Um, sh should we share it with the audience for anyone who hasn't heard yeah, it yet? Fire it up for a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. This thing is on every radio station in L.A. right now. I had a girl over last night, fired up the Space Monkey. Things went very, very well. I don't know what to say about this song, James, other than that it's magical. Yeah, I hear 102.7 KISS FM is playing it literally every 15 minutes during morning yeah, drive. Ryan Seacrest is paying off your credit card bills if you can correctly be the uh, 98.7th caller. <laughs> <laughs> when when this song is on. Uh, so that's it. That's what's coming up on today's show. Let's roll straight into the news. Let's. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Is News. And we can officially confirm that the podcast you are listening to right now has not been nominated for an American <laughs> Poker Award. And I, not being funny, we should never have been on the long list. Because... 
You did some digging after last week's rant, Joe, and discovered that the reason why Kid Poker the movie didn't appear on the long list is because they've now set this criteria by which the authors, the content creators, the people who do stuff have to be American in order to be considered. Yeah, and uh, I think, unfortunately, as a result of that conversation, I may have talked us out of being nominated at all. You will remember that the podcast was on the long list. And then after the show last week, James and I had a conversation where we were like, look, it's it's kind of a shame that Kid Poker isn't on there. What can we do? I decided to go on a mini Twitter rant about how I thought Kid Poker should have been nominated. So what happened was uh, that after I sent those tweets out, uh, Eric Danis immediately started texting me and his response was about as snarky as a Canadian's response can get. And he was like, Gary and Francine are European. No. And I was just like, well, the subject matter is American. It was shot in America. It's about American poker. And it's, it revolves around an American guy. And basically, yes, go ahead. They've clearly changed the rules because I remember a couple of years ago that Neil Johnson (laughs) Johnson, won the European Poker Award for Industry Person of the Year. Uh, Well-deserved, but last time I checked, Neil was American. But because he worked in the European market, he was eligible for an award. Now, clearly, the criteria have changed. And that's fine. At least we now know what that is. And I have to say, at least they're being consistent. Because realistically, I appreciate that you are American, Joe. But obviously, Matt and I are English. The entire production team is English. It's basically the same team that made Kid Poker behind this product. So if Kid Poker can't be nominated, the podcast can't be on the nominations list either. Well, I would like to think that we were not nominated because we can't be nominated and not because we weren't nominated. Um, and I think that, yeah, so basically when he came back with this response, he said, look, we got to draw the line somewhere. And I get that. And like, we had some nice people on Twitter that agreed and that thought it should have been nominated also. And then one guy, like one conspiracy theorist is like, it sounds like they have it in for stars. I don't think that at all. So I think that, you know, they just got to draw the line somewhere and it just happened to be drawn in a place that we're not super happy about. I don't think I think that they're doing their best over there. Sure. So, you know, I think Eric was a little irritated with me. um, And I was like, look, man, I know you guys are doing your best. It's not a big deal. It just happens that I I care about this particular topic. Anyway, Um, I'm sure there's no coincidence here, but Joe Stapleton was named as a member of the nomination panel earlier this week. And Joseph Stapleton's name also appears on the list of nominees. Congratulations on your nod for media person of the year. Uh, thanks. Uh, I will say it is nice to be nominated. Uh, there's that, and that will be the only person clapping, uh, including my parents. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it is nice to like to see your name up there. I'm not gonna lie, I like it. I like seeing my name pretty much anywhere, except for if it's you know like under some sort of scandal. Um, so uh, you know, but uh, I don't really consider myself a media person anymore. Like I think that there is people that do far more quote unquote media than I do. So. I don't really have high hopes for winning. And even if I did, like, I'm not really sure I'm the most deserving person in that category. I will say that I did not have anything to do with with getting nominated, because remember how last week on the show I was just sort of like making fake picks so I could click through to the next page of the survey. You were literally just clicking buttons. Yeah. Well, those picks ended up being solidified. (laughs) Like I tried to I tried to go back. 
I tried to go back to like really do the the survey. And I was like, your picks have been locked in. Thank you for participating. <laughs> so I have literally no idea. So I just took it obviously very seriously. I have literally no idea what I actually voted for to be nominated. So um, thanks, and I'm sorry, and you're welcome. Like I have no idea what went through there. My guess is that even in my random clicking i still probably clicked my own name i'm sure you did uh check out the full list of nominations americanpokerawards.com uh should salute by the way the other people in that category david tuckman lance bradley and sarah herring and also shout out to the guys nominated for twitch streamer of the year uh team pros jason somerville was on the list alongside team online's jamie staples and kevin martin tonka also up for that award not surprised to see the Kasuf Benjahan nominated for Moment of the Year. And oh, yeah. even though there's some other great moments nominated in that category, surely that hand. And for all of the attention it, it, it attracted last November when it was aired on TV, surely that is going to win. I, I completely agree with you. And also stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, why, why are we at a hockey game this week? Well, there's this guy we used to work with years ago named John Caldwell, who I kind of call like uh, Il Padrino. He's kind of been like the little godfather of my career and always seems to be around whenever I'm, you know, he helped me get my job on the big game. And I think he had something to do with the first time I ever worked in Edinburgh and sort of helped me get get over into Europe. And so um, we've stayed in touch and he's a friend now. And he occasionally he's a big uh, L.A. Kings fan. And he ended up with some tickets to the NHL All-Star game. That um, and he was bringing his daughter, but his wife couldn't go. And it's funny, James, because his daughter's like the same age as yours. And we also I just met her for the first time, got along really well uh, at this hockey game. But even though, you know, James, I don't like sports. So isn't it fucking hilarious that I went to the MLB All-Star game and the hockey (laughs) All-Star game in the same year? All you needed to do is go to the NFL Pro Bowl as well. And you would have completed the trifecta. I know, except the Pro Bowl was the same day. Like ah. I looked into it, and there was no way I was getting to Hawaii after the NHL hockey game. But I'm like, man, how cool is my life that like people like wait their whole lives to, like go to these All Star games, and I'm just like, I'm there. I'm like, oh yeah, sure, and I'm like focused like during. So they did this thing at the beginning where they like brought out like the hundred greatest NHL hockey players of all time, um, like whichever ones were still alive. And I'm like sitting there eating a hot dog, like during the standing ovation. Cause I have like nachos on my lap. I can't stand up. Now, were and any of these stars from the God, I can't remember the name of it. The pokerstars.net and NHL alumni association charity shootout poker tournament festival <laughs> competition. Yes. yes. It was really funny. Is that like a bunch of the dudes we did commentary on, uh, were there, uh, in attendance and were down, you know, I heard their names called, a name that wasn't on the list, though, was actually, you know, James. A lot of people think James is is like my preferred co-host, but actually it's Jeremy Roenick, <laughs> who is my favorite co-host of all time. I, <laughs> JR's name was not on the list somehow, oh. the top 100 hockey players of all time, which actually was quite surprising to me. Uh, and I did not see him around there anywhere. But what I really loved about this event is that because it was in L.A., there were tons of celebrities there. Um, and so they had, and the way the NHL all-star game works is they have four teams playing instead of two and they play three on three. So it's like a very fast paced game. It's kind of like NBA jam 
hockey. And so the first game, like they play three games. The first game was like 10 to five or something. So it's really exciting. And they had all these celebrities. And if you had told me on last Saturday, James, that the following day I would have been sitting in an ice arena getting choked up at Carly Rae Jepsen singing the Canadian national anthem. I would have said that sounded perfectly reasonable. Sounds just like my life. <laughs> um, and obviously you also went to the cinema and the reason why I thought your tweet was sarcastic, Joe, because let's be honest, you went to see an M night Shalaman film, right? Yeah. This guy has turned out nothing but shit for the last decade. Not true. Uh, I thought the visit was perfectly good. Now I wasn't super stoked to see this movie. And as I was going into the theater, a couple of my friends were talking about the twist and how they had read about the twist online. And knowing that I do not like things to be spoiled, they didn't spoil it for me. I will say that I was not joking at all my tweet. My mind is fucking blown seeing this movie. And it is easily my favorite ending to a movie ever. Really? ever wow you are putting this on a major fucking pedestal right now i understand and it won't be the same for everyone i don't think it will the ending of this movie will be universally enjoyed but have you ever seen a movie james where you're like oh man i really hope they end it this way and it almost never does yeah this movie i was like i really hope they're about to do this and they did it and when the movie was over i erupted into applause I was, I'm not even joking. Wow. I have to go and it, see it. I mean, not being funny, I've seen the posters and obviously, you know, James McAvoy, very talented actor, but not every film he makes is perfect. And I'm sorry, I just see that guy's name directed by my, oh no, no, please, not not again. Probably because I'd have to have flashbacks to, you know, what was that shit one with Mark Wahlberg with the trees killing everyone? Oh my God. Doesn't anybody want to know what's happening to the bumblebee? The uh, what was that? Or the, the, I mean, it was just atrocious. The, the crappening is what we all called it. That was really bad. So, but the other thing is that, like, this all happened after what happened first, which is that when we got to the arc light in Los Angeles, and this is one of the things I love about LA, there's so much Hollywood stuff happening that there was a big movie premiere happening, and we were like, oh shit, what is it? And it was John Wick 2. Now, John Wick was a movie that I had zero expectation of and actually was incredibly enjoyable. Really good, like maybe my favorite movie of that year. And, you know, of course, we went to go see it with Griffin Benger, which made kind of ties it into poker, which is super cool. And so the red carpet for John Wick 2 is out there. Now, we saw like a, a bunch of celebrities like Chris D'Elia. I saw him. He was like having dinner next to me with a really hot date. He's like a big stand up comic in the States. Um, and my friend Greg was jokingly texting and goes, oh, sorry, guys, I'm not going to see Split. I'm actually going to go see John Wick 2 with Keanu and then as he's texting this he looks up and Keanu Reeves is literally standing right in front of him (laughs) as he's just sent the text and the two of them almost bump into each other and then as we're heading into the theater um, I'm looking at the red carpet and there's like a bunch of people going crazy taking pictures and there's lights flash bulbs going off and stuff and I look to see who it is and I'm like I think I recognize that guy and it was this big black bald head And my old friend Keegan-Michael Key just happened to be walking the red carpet as I was walking into the theater. So I decided to wait for a second. And I'm like, Keegan, Keegan. And he looks over at me 
And he comes over to say hello. And as he's doing that, I walk to greet him and I get absolutely shoulder checked by a security guard. Oh, like this guard is having none of it. And then all of a sudden realizes that Keegan's actually genuinely happy to see me uh, and then moves his arm eventually. And so Keegan and I have a big hug and he introduces me to his girlfriend. And so between that, uh, getting to see my old friend and get and then the movie being such an enjoyable experience. It was just an awesome night. It's like the best cinema night I've had since I saw the 25th anniversary of uh, Back to the Future oh, at that's Universal. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, I, great I, night. I mean, I continue to catch up with movies that have long departed the cinemas. Uh, I did see a film which is nominated for an Oscar this year, Kubo and the Two Strings, which is up the I best. Heard that's, I've heard that's amazing. Oh, it is amazing, Joe. And I, I, it, it is one of the best animated films of recent years, and it probably deserves to be nominated for Best Picture as well. But I know what the Academy's like. They feel that those movies deserve to be in their own kind of little genre. But no, it's magical. It's an absolutely wonderful experience. Uh, the other film I saw, which is not in the same league, but I thought was perfectly watchable was the ghostbusters reboot i thought it was fine you know i'm not a fan of remakes i don't like reboots at least they tried to do something a little bit different with this one which i appreciated and i genuinely do not understand well let's be honest i do understand why it is derided and hated so much because i thought that it was more than watchable I thought it was also quite watchable. As far as the comedy was concerned, I thought it was fine. I don't see the reason for the hate. I agree with you other than just rampant misogyny. Yeah. I will say that the movie felt a little soulless to me um, in that, like, I didn't really care the same way I did. And maybe it's an age thing and maybe I didn't identify as much. Maybe I'm a misogynist. But, like, I just felt like the movie was a lot sillier and there wasn't as much at stake and I really felt like the, you know, the original um, kind of it was this it was a movie about Dana, you know what I mean? And Dana yeah. being haunted. Sure. Um, but I remember what you said to me about Robocop, because you remember I was having a rant about how the Robocop reboot just looked like an absolute crock of shit. And you said, but the movie's not made for you. It's not made for people who grew up with that film. It's yeah. made for a new generation. And I kind of feel the same way about this. This Ghostbusters reboot was not made for the generation that grew up with the original. It's not made for those fans. It's made for a new generation. And look, I can tell you, my daughter absolutely loved this movie because unfortunately it's still all too rare to see a big budget blockbuster with female leads. And she really appreciated that. I would also say that its biggest flaw is its constant need to back-reference the original. Be yeah. your own film. Fuck the cameos. Fuck the little in-jokes. Just be your own film. Yeah, I, I found the cameos to be incredibly distracting. And with the exception of Ernie Hudson's cameo, I, I thought they were all pretty painful. Pa yes, painful is the exact word for it. Uh, let's talk about the poker now because there was a big event in London in the last 10 days. And we are going to recap that event now. Event Recap. Event Recap. And we are going to need some help for this event recap because, uh, Joe, you have an excuse 
because you live on the other side of the Atlantic, you live on the west coast of the United States, you're in Los Angeles. I have no excuse other than laziness not to visit the Hippodrome, which is literally a five-minute walk from the room I'm sitting in right now. But I didn't make it down there, didn't get to see any of the PokerStars Festival London. Uh, so we are going to speak very soon to someone who is there. I should say, this event was huge. And in a way, and I know that a few people had some issues, it was a victim of its own success. The Hippodrome is not a huge venue. It has a limited number of poker tables. And because of the huge turnout, it did kind of impact on the length of days in the main event and also on how many satellites and side events could be run. Because again, only so many tables, only so many dealers, and you've got to prioritize. Just to put things into perspective, Joe, I don't know whether you saw, but this had an advertised guarantee of £400,000. That was the guarantee on the prize pool. Do you know what the prize pool actually was? No. £824,000. Holy shit. It more than doubled the guarantee with 944 entries, the largest poker tournament ever held at the Hippodrome. I'm sorry, 800 and something thousand for what buy-in? Uh, this was for a £990 buy-in. That's pretty sick. Pretty sick indeed. Uh, it had, uh, as I said, the days did run long, including the final table. Uh, Ludo Gylik, uh, a friend of the show, he was at that final table. But the eventual winner was a gentleman by the name of Raymond Kassam, a 23-year-old law student from London who won £89,000 after a three-way Shit. deal. 89 times the buy-in. That's that's awesome, man. Good for him. Uh, one of the players who cashed in the main event and also had a deep run in the high roller event at the London Festival was Liv Barry. So I thought, Joe, as Liv was actually at the Hippodrome, it might be a good idea to get her on the show and let her do the event recap. Just real quick before we bring her on, because um, I you remember I had this sex dream about Liv and her mom yes. was involved. It was kind of weird, and then yes. you surprised with her. But before she comes on, I had another sex dream oh, about Liv. On. I'd have these like, well, I have these weird like post-apocalyptic dreams like all the time, like maybe once a week, and it's kind of like one of those Walking Dead Negus things where there's always like these bad guys that are like doing really awful things and terrorizing people. And I had this dream. Uh, a post-apocalyptic dream where Liv was in it and the bad guys were kind of using her as their sex slave. Uh, uh, Hi, guys. I should probably jump in at this point. I forgot to tell you, Joe, that I'd already dialed Liv. Stop dreaming about me. What the hell? I don't know what it is. Um, I I wish I could just stop having the post-apocalyptic dreams in general. (laughs) (laughs) If we eliminate those, then we eliminate the Liv. Right. I guess it's kind of nice that if you are going to have post-apocalyptic dreams, that at least there's some kind of sexual pleasure involved in it. I think that's actually maybe like the best strategy you can take for your own mental health, Joe. You know? It wasn't even my pleasure, though, is the problem. Like, I'm watching these guys do horrible things to you, and I can't even really enjoy it. Okay, well, that's what you're going to say, obviously, but we all know how (laughs) your mind works. Uh, Just to clarify things and to make you feel more comfortable, Liv, we did not get you on the show so that Joe could reveal his innermost, deepest, darkest fantasies. Uh, We Mm. did want to talk about the Hippodrome and talk about the Pokestars Festival London, um, a festival that was pretty good for you with decent scores in both the high roller and the main. Yeah, two deep runs. Two two Tonys played, two deep runs. Um, It was a fantastic festival. I mean, the turnout was absolutely enormous which is you know obviously fantastic news um a bit bittersweet for me though because just uh in both situations well i, I 
I, I was hoping to make the final table in the in the high roller, but I just bubbled that. I came, you know, I got tenth instead, um, and then in the main had a huge flip. I think for pretty much the chip lead at the time with seventy left, but did not flip my way. But no, it was really good fun. Liv, when you're playing one of these events, like it, it, for all intents, is a little bit smaller than a poker stars championship, um, mm-hmm. and the venue is a little bit, we'll call it more cozy and friendly. Is this as much about like fan interaction for you as it is playing a poker tournament? Yeah, I actually it's funny you mentioned that. Eagle said to me because he Eagle came along and played it too, and he he uh, he was like, you know, I I think I enjoyed playing this more in some you know from a sort of environmental perspective to to even a championship necessarily because all the players there like no one's really they, people don't take themselves so seriously if you know what I mean, like in the championships, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, you know, I'm, this is, this is what I do. And this is who I am. Whereas there's a lot of players who, you know, they are more recreational, but they're, they're, they're like, they're happy with that. You know, like maybe, maybe it's just the Britishness thing or whatever, but it's just like, there's a lot of like humility there and, and just people having fun. Like every table, there were like lots of, lots of chatty folks. And, you know, they're, they're sometimes casual players or even, you know, the regulars, like it's just more, it was just a very like social environment, which was really fun. I like, I actually like the coziness as well of like being in, you know, there's like different rooms and it's, it's a very, like, it's quite a spectacle, the Hippodrome anyway. Uh, so yeah, I, I really like the feel of it. I mean, Joe and I love that venue and um, we're both sad that we couldn't be there. I know we don't have any excuse. Uh, I saw some great photos from the party. Did you get to go to that? I didn't, unfortunately, no. Oh. Uh, I was not there. I was, I can't remember. I did have a good reason, but I wasn't, I wasn't there that night. Um, but I did, uh, when there was like a sort of little media tournament party, Stephen Hendry won it. I saw um, that. Did you kind of all soft play him so he could feel good about himself or did he genuinely no, he have played, to... he played really well. He oh, played, wow. I mean, it was hyper, hyper turbo. Um, so is that the pool know, player? Snooker. Yeah, it was a snooker player. Just, just like 18 times world champion. I, I just like, I just like, I just say pool like the same way I say soccer. He was, it's just, he was it's like, just to piss people off. Yeah, he was like the, the, he was kind of you know the Michael Phelps of snooker back in the nineties, I think. Um, I don't know. I just remember him being very much a household name, um, and yeah, really nice guy, and knows his game. He like he you know it was all sort of short stacked pre pre you know pre flop shoving, but he knew what he was doing. Um, I appreciate but, any sport that you can do with a cigarette hanging out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I y- yes, Joe, cigarette, sure. Liv, uh, more importantly than the uh, the caches, the deep runs, did you get one of those cool flasks? I did. Yes, I, I did. And I haven't. I've been meaning to like d- make some kind of funny, weird esque vine video. I just don't know what what to do with that because it's like it's like a f- hip flask, and then it's got a spade on it. You know, it's got the red spade, but it's actually like a little telescopic pull out cup for you to do the shot of whatever you have in your hip flask with. So I was trying I to think, think of some funny thing to do with it. Um, I think me and you should do some like hashtag raise it videos where we sort of one up each other in drinking. Yes. Perfect. We'll just, we'll just, <laughs> let's just do a drinking competition and then raise it. You know, whoever fills down second. Great perfect. for the brand as all I can say. I'm sure they'll love it. Yes. Look, following the tournaments uh, on the blog, obviously not surprised to see you there or Jake there or any of the usual UK regs like Ludo who made the final table of the main event. I was a little mm-hmm. bit surprised to see Felipe Ramos at the London Festival. Yeah, Felipe, I think he, well, he, he for him, you know, he's living down in Brazil. So it's a long, long way away from often, you know, most of the 
the Poker Stars festivals and championships, but he was already halfway here like for Bahamas championships. So he was like, well, I might as well just go on. <laughs> I might as well just take a 10-hour flight to London to play a £990 <laughs> tournament. Yeah. I, I, love- I, think he, I think he had some meetings here too, but no, I mean, he, you know, he, he wanted to play a festival. Um, and I mean, he chose a good one to, to do. And I think, you know, he probably wanted to see some in London, so... I love how Felipe Ramos made it from Brazil. James couldn't make it a tube stop. I feel so Dude, bad, especially that like, is unacceptable. It's not even a tube stop. You know, I'm at Piccadilly Circus. I'm a five minute walk away. I really should have popped down. I know it's, yeah, it's awful. Um, and I, I, in all honesty, I've I'm being punished because I really feel that I've missed out because it seems that everyone who was there had a fantastic time. Yeah, it was really good. Very very fun. There was a lot of drinking going on. I I wasn't partaking. Of course I, not. I know I'm good these days, uh, but after day one of the main finish, there was a, a certain crowd of, of I don't know if I should say their names, but of, of some of the louder regular Brits, the, of some very funny characters. Exactly, Neil Farrell uh, and Co were were certainly getting on it by the Hippodrome Bar. I've had some good times with with that crew over there. Yeah, That's the only thing fun. that I regret not being there. Also, but like when I see and hear about some of those nights, I'm like, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I think they all went to like a Great Gatsby thing as well. I saw photos of them all wearing feathers and, and tar and I don't know. D- those guys definitely know how to dance like nobody's watching. Like nobody pulls that off better than, than that crew. Correct. Uh, before the, the Hippodrome and the London Festival, you also did fairly well in a tea coop, I understand. Yeah, FT. Uh, had an FT. That was, uh, that was a close one as well. I had the chip lead at one point, six left. Um, and then which event was it? The 700. Was it a re-entry? I can't remember. No, I don't think it was. It was a, a progressive knockout event. If yes, memory serves that's, me correctly. that's the best part of it. It's very fun when you're knocking out a lot of people and you're just like, oh, wow, I money. There's still 30 people left. And my my stars account is 12K richer right now or whatever. You know, like just watching it just pile up these 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 bounties is very fun and it's and it's like an extra layer of things to think about because it's quite different maths you you know normally you're you know you just know you're calling ranges as as standard or and so on or you're shoving ranges but you really have to change them when you've got like a hefty sum on your head or similarly you know there's there's a really short stack who's behind you to act you know you've got to add that value of chips into the pot and so there's a lot of like there's a lot more tanking that you have to do even though it's like turbo you're like oh wait how much is that and adding it up and so on so it's pretty fun is it as simple as um there's more money at stake here if i knock this person out i'm widening my calling ranges call or is it more complicated than that well to a degree i mean it's about quantifying um how you know how much the bounty is worth in chips you know, like the, the two translate, but then you've got to like factor in like how much money has been taken out of the prize pool already. You know, like it does, it's not like it's a constant number. So sometimes, you know, it'll be worth whatever the, you know, monetary bounty is, it might be worth 20 X in actual chips, or then it might be a 30 X. And then it sometimes might even go down, like depending on, on, you know, sort of the stage of the tournament. So it's, uh, you constantly having to like re just grab the calculator basically. And at this point, does, does everyone still ask you to marry them in the chat online? Is that happening multiple uh, times per tournament? I got no. I had one guy ask me to blow him. That was <laughs> okay. Nice. Really? Um, 
yeah no because he was mad at me though it wasn't like a like he was like blow me you know it was because i think i tucked out on him or something pardon the pun um (laughs) (laughs) the marriage proposals they are fewer and far between these days oh no i think you're losing something to do i know right it's (laughs) like turning 30 and i don't know you know it's just it's just not i don't have quite that same appeal i guess anymore but it's i i can live with it are you 30 30 30 even now no, I'm 32, Joe, and you know 32. that. Have you, I, I have a hard look. You'll, you'll always be 26 to me. I know. Um, <laughs> has, Are you really has 11 years younger than Joe? Right? <laughs> what a perv. I know. Things were pretty pervy back in the day. Uh, has, has, have things changed for you post-30? Um, I mean, the way you feel. The way I feel. Where I is this going? <laughs> no, like, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. Like Wow. Wow, James, did your mind go where I think Joe it Stapleton is asking the questions. I think my mind is going in a com- you, completely logical direction. Hey, I usually pick up on that kind of stuff, and I did not go in that direction. That, <laughs> that gets such a bad news. rap. It's unbelievable. Oh, like, come I, on. No, oh. I'm now more on your side after seeing this. Hartigan, this is unacceptable. <laughs> Everything feels the same in that respect. Thank you. But uh, in terms of my brain, like mindset, yeah, I've definitely... I'm definitely just more content, I'd say, since, like, I, I mean, I guess it's just what happens as you grow up. Like, I just I just don't care about some things that I used to care about, and I care about different things now. Um, and I'm fairly confident that the things I care about these days are just m- actually more important. You know? So it's just, it's just a thing of, like, the more experience, life experience you gather, it generally um, puts you in a better, you know, a better mindset. Uh, I don't know if it continues with age. It, there's probably like a drop off and then a reversal at some point. But I definitely feel very like mentally primed these days. Things that you care more about, like environmental issues. Correct. Like that's yeah one of many things. Yeah, just like just my view on on sort of social things and what's you know like for example like remember the golden balls thing. Like I yeah uh, you know that I I if I was on golden balls now, even though I know by far obviously the be- the correct mathematical play is to always go for steel. I think because I now sort of value um, sort of the consequences of showing to the world actually collaboration is more important than personal gain. Um, I would probably, even though I know I'd get laughed at by poker players, but like, oh, you played the game badly. My values have shifted. And I think, you know, spreading a message of collaboration and sharing is just more important than playing a game correctly perhaps um whereas back then when i was playing i was you know when i I was actually on golden balls you know i was just getting started in poker i wanted to gain respect as a smart poker player and i knew i wouldn't get that if i didn't you know if i didn't choose the gto option so um yeah it's, it's like just little things like that that's just one example yeah, I mean, you've you've actually articulated that so well, and uh, it really speaks to me also because, uh, you know, in a different sense, with my career as a comedian, uh, I used to want to make the best joke possible at all times, and right. my values have shifted to the point where I'm like, you know what, this joke isn't really worth it, and spreading a message of like kindness and goodness and unity is like a little bit more important to me at this point, and I think, right. you, you know, especially. Like if the way of the world were slightly different and it weren't so necessary um, to spread, what do you call it? Unity. Well, yeah, collaboration. Yeah. Collaboration. Yes. If like Find, if that weren't so collaboration, that that kind totally. of totally. 
And we're in so much desperate need of that that I've actually sacrificed like a lot of like being funny uh, because yeah. I feel like that there, there's just so much more of a lack of of this collaboration in the world. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's just it's again like a thing that comes with age is that you I'd like to think you become better at analyzing consequences as well, you know, and or, or at least the consequences that you value tend to be bigger picture. Right, they just shift. Um, yeah, more long term and bigger picture, and yeah, perhaps that's what, like you said, a product of also just a state of the world. I love um, the way you know. I love the way Joe that you've talked about your maturing sensibilities just before unveiling the dumb game <laughs> that you're probably going to get Liv to play on this podcast. That's right, Olivia. Do you want to oh, collaborate on, on a new game? It's based on your deep uh, run tea coop. Go on then. Okay, this game is called Do You Even Tea, Bro? Do you even tea, bro? What does tea stand for? Basically, T could stand for anything. These are all T-based questions. Okay, do I even toilet? Yes. She does. She does, T-bro. Here we go. Question number one. The unofficial title of the Terminator sequel was? T uh, T2. T2, that is correct. Yes. Come with me if you the want to. The best one. The best Live. one by far. Uh-huh. Okay, question <laughs> number two. <laughs> A style of steak cut from a cow's short loin. Uh, I'm not promoting meat in any way right now, uh, but the answer is a T-bone. That is correct. A T-bone. Question number three. A tool used by draftsmen or women, hashtag everyday sexism, for drawing horizontal lines on a page. Uh, drawing horizontal... What? Uh, a... Beginning with T? Not a ruler? Not a ruler. A tool used by draftsmen for drawing horizontal lines or a page or an architect. Uh, uh, something trigonometrical. Uh, I don't know. We were looking for we were looking for T square. T square. T square. I haven't heard of it either. Okay, maybe it's just maybe it's just an American tool. (laughs) Tool. Question number four. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't be laughing at that. Complete this turn of phrase developed in the late 1800s to the late 1800s to mean no price high enough. Not for all the tea in the world. Tea in China. 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 Question number five. Liv Bree very famously had a dog who liked to pull this frat boy move. Teabagging. <laughs> Teabagging is correct. Teabagging. Woody. Still does it, by the way. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> this You haven't yeah, lived till um, you've been teabagged by a dog, by the way. Seriously. I'm s i am narrowly avoided it. I think Liv tried to trick me the <laughs> you one time got, I her mom's house. You let the horse sneeze in your mouth, Joe. That did happen. Check out that video on YouTube if you guys want. Uh question number six. This hip hop musician was born Fashid Rasham Naim. Uh T Pain? T Pain is correct. You're almost wow. running the board, here. Eh? Seriously. One, one last question here, so I don't think you lose at any point. Uh, from Beavis and Butthead, what is it that is needed by Cornholio? Uh, I, I've never seen Beavis and Butthead, unfortunately. I'm going to guess at... Uh, toilet paper. I don't know. I'm going to give it to her. TP is the answer. TP, toilet paper. Oh, okay, yeah, I definitely get that. Come on. TP, and a bonus question for what body part? Is it also ending in T, beginning with T? No, 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 more T. 
No more tea. Uh, I would assume the butthole. James, I know that you're a Beavis and Butthead fan. Can you can you help her out? Bunghole. TP for my bunghole. Oh, bunghole. I'm sorry. That's what I said. I just said bunghole. Bung pretty close. Pretty close. Yep. Hey, Liv, you're a good sport as always. You'll always be 26 to me. Thank Thanks you. a lot for coming on the show. I love your golden yes. balls. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. My old saggy golden balls. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show, Liv. It was worth Cheers, waiting guys. a week for. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. Poker in the ears. Our thanks to Miss Olivia Barry. But Joe, we are going to spoil the audience this week. Not just one guest on this podcast. Oh, no. Two for the price of of one because we're joined by a member of our team here at poker stars towers editor extraordinaire the creative genius himself mr gary davis we welcome gary to the show hello Woo, gary davis Woo! How are the we? guy who makes us all look as good as we look i won't say that that's good but whatever amount it is that's thanks to gary so to be clear gary is co-director of kid poker the documentary about daniel negranu the producer and editor of the dual webisodes that came out at the tail end of last year gary you've also crafted numerous ept pch shark cage shows plus and this is i think what people talk about on social media more than anything else you've ever done my talent reel the opening and closing <laughs> videos for so many of our tv shows and webcasts um i guess the, the key reason why we wanted to bring you on here is to find out about gary davis the man and why someone of your talents is working in televised poker this is a good question <laughs> i mean uh, money I mean, how, how did the edits... Let's, let's come to the poker thing later. Where did the editing thing come from? What, what's, what, where did you start? I started, like, well, like a lot of people, I think. I went to college and university. I went to college, actually, to study sports journalism. Um, what? I know, which not a lot of people know, I suppose, in our team. What, what sport I don't did know, you I, want to I really study? enjoyed writing, and, I, you know, I'm a big fan of sports, so... Please tell know, me you just... wanted to write about, like, Highlight or something like that. <laughs> That is exactly what it was. Um, no, I think, you know, it's boring, but it was football and the likes, rugby, sports-orientated family. Um, but anyway, that didn't last because as soon as I got to college, they had a linear editing machine there, which, um, I don't know, without getting all technical, the difference between non-linear and linear editing is um, in linear, you have to cut linear, linearly. Is this um, tape to tape? This is tape to tape, exactly. And I had no idea it's what more it was. Like rock to, it's more like rock to rock. It's exactly. like smashing rocks together. <laughs> I had no idea what it was, but as soon as I sat down and sort of, sort of had a little play around with it, I fell in love with it. And, you know, I was always, always a big fan of film and TV anyway. So, yeah, um, yeah it just it seemed like it was my thing from the start. Because the irony is I went to university wanting to be a filmmaker because I was a pretentious asshole and ended up stumbling into journalism, whereas you wanted to be a journalist and you ended up actually being a filmmaker. It was the other way around, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And I think yeah, with it's a good grinding using those machines because you have to love it because they are so hard to use. Like, for instance, uh, if you want to do what we call a dissolve which now is very easy. It, it could take up to four people pressing buttons all at the same time. And now anyone with oh, iMovie on their can computer do it. can do uh, it. This happens all the time, I see. Yeah, anyone can do it now. So, but... <laughs> yeah, when I uh, was first taking film classes, I had to do editing on like four VHS decks all hooked up together with like one gigantic controller controlling them all. Is that how you got your start? It's exactly that, yeah, exactly. And um, also, if you get, you know, you could get... 
if you're making something that's three, four, five minutes long, you could get halfway through it. And if you make a mistake, you're starting again, basically. You know, there's always this cliche that it's a tough industry to break into, but like all good cliches, there's an element of truth in it. It is. It's very, do you know, it's very tough to break into. Um, I, after I finished university, I worked in Cheltenham for a year, basically to get enough money together to move down to London for rent and whatnot and, and you know, and try, try and find a job. Basically, in, in, in our industry, you have to start off as what's known as a runner. Uh, so in the post-production industry, at least. So basically a, a certain post facility that has, you know, various clients and makes various films for or t- uh, TV content. Um, you basically make everyone tea. That's pretty much what you what you do. And um, when you say tea, do you mean actual tea or like of the tea. tea that people eat for dinner? No, cups of tea. You have to go and get their dinner. So, you know, you have to run around Soho picking things up for them. And I know they were, they were, I'd never call them terrible times because they're, they're not. And you learn a lot from them. But I get requests like, we want a bowl of M&Ms, but only the green ones. No. Yeah. I mean, that, I thought that stuff was made up. It's not made up. This stuff happens. I do it all the time to people now. But that, that, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> oh, we laugh because it's funny. Did we you, laugh because it's true. Did you have any tyrants that you worked for? Uh, there were a couple. I would never name names, but there was yeah, there was one particular uh, group of gentlemen who worked for a very well-known British uh, production company, um, who were oh, I don't know how best to describe it. They they basically they didn't work through the day. They just worked in the evening, so they drink and work from probably from the hours of say twelve through till six in the morning. So of course you're all there working with them oh, that God. whole time. And uh, yeah, they used to call me G Force, <laughs> which I hated. <laughs> <laughs> that's so douchey yeah uh, so obviously you then as so many people do kind of like get the opportunity to actually start cutting yourself and... exactly and um, what the thing the reason i took on the position was that it was well other than i was broke and i needed it but it was the first the first one that came along for me was um it was two days on two days off is the stretch you'd work so for those two days you're working really hard it's crazy hours but what it meant is I could use the equipment whenever I wanted. So on the two days off, ah. I'd come in if any sweets weren't being used. And the one thing you realise is I came out of university thinking I'm pretty much an editor now. I know what I'm doing. And then you get into the industry and you realise, no, you know nothing. Like, I knew nothing. I knew what I wanted to do, or but technically you know nothing. At what point did you feel that I am now an editor? I now know the craft. That I'm now confident enough to work across a variety of things. It probably took a good two or three years of actually being an editor what happened was you move up through the ranks and i moved up to assistant editor fairly quickly because i did know i did know the equipment from university which obviously was a great help and then it was a terrible story for someone else really what happens is something normally happens where someone can't take on a job it's like last minute they're coming into the edit suite and you know you, you get the opportunity and one of one of the editors that i work with his um girlfriend's um, grandparent, one of their grandparents had died, so uh, sort of overnight, so they had to travel, travel, you know, the next day to to go and see the rest of the family. So I basically got got the call. Right, do you want to step in, do an edit? I was like, I'd love to. They're like, right, it's now, and uh, so that's how it starts. Um, so then I sort of got sort of got more involved in a lot of long form content because I love I love the storytelling side of it, as I'm sure everyone who does it does. Uh, so I was lucky enough to work on quite a few documentaries for Discovery. Uh, I did Seisen, The Rise and Fall of Japan, which was uh, three three one-hour shows using never-seen-before footage from uh, right through the war and and uh, various other bits and pieces, which was great. And I spent a lot of time actually working uh, with a company where the production manager there was called Nina Hume, who, funnily enough... Oh, Nina! 
indeed, who then moved to PokerStars. So that's how I actually came about working for PokerStars was Nina gave me a call and obviously with uh, PokerStars schedule of when they wanted to make shows and with what I was doing, it went on probably for about a year, I think, before we got to a point where we could work together. And I love Nina, so I really wanted to, to work, work with Nina again. Um, so it came to the point where I was like, yeah, we're going to do it. The dates are in the schedule. And funny enough, I was um, I had a rap party the evening before... No, it was two evenings before I started my first job with PokerStars. Uh, just finished another job. And we were in town just having a nice dinner. Um, funny enough, you know, we'd had quite a few drinks. By the time we'd finished the dinner and finished all the drinks, it was sort of decided, I don't know by, by who exactly, that it would be a really good idea if we all went outside and raced down the street. Whoever <laughs> came last would be paying for the night. Oh, this, my this God. Is about, this was about two grand, I think, this bit had come to at the time, which is, you know, obviously there's a lot of people there. It's um, like the Neanderthal credit card roulette. Yeah, I was going to sure. say there is a, an amazing kind of uh, correlation here between the behaviour of editors who go out drinking and poker players who go out <laughs> drinking. They already the connection was there, Gary. It was written in the stars. Indeed. So anyway, we we managed to um, yeah we managed to I can't remember what it was. I think we, there were a couple of guys on a rickshaw in this is in Soho by the way who managed to get sort of brought into it they were they were the starting line and there were a couple of policemen in a in a car down the far end of the street I remember who managed to get involved as well to to um, you know see who crossed the line first anyway so this race happened there's about 10 people I think and I just want to point out I was comfortably third um so I was nowhere near last I mean, I would feel pretty good about that, too, like in any field of 10 people, unless it was yeah. like, you know, I was working on a project being produced by Olympians. I'd be like, I'm probably not going to finish last. <laughs> so exactly. I'm halfway through the race and I'm third. So I'm thinking, you know, this is this is fine. I'm not paying for dinner. But the problem was, I think quite a few drinks have been consumed. And I sort of I was getting closer to position one and two and thought, do you know what? I think I might be able to take this. So instead of just staying where I was, I went for it. Oh, my God. Unfortunately... He I, wasn't happy to ladder up. He was playing no, for the win. Uh, exactly. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm in it to win it. There was absolutely no incentive to winning also, right? No, like, there's It's nothing. like a satellite. There's like, nothing. all you have to do is cash. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't playing um, plus EV satellite poker. Here. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it was, there was, there was, yeah, there was nothing for it other than pride. Um, and unfortunately, long story short, I stacked it completely, ended up fracturing my elbow... Breaking oh. my wrist, um, yes, which sort of put me put me out of action for a while. So I have to give Nina a call to say I'm really sorry. Um, I'm not going to be able to do this, guys. You know, I'm in a sling. I'm one armed. To which Nina just paused and said, "Why don't you just come in anyway?" <laughs> so I thought, okay. Wait, so did fine. they make you pay for the dinner too? Like yeah, the yeah, night yeah, out? yeah, yeah, two grand. Uh, in fairness to them, they didn't know That's at the time that I awesome. broke my arm. It was the following morning when I got up and couldn't move it and went to the hospital. We we carried on. We went out that night. You know, we went down. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, yeah, we went. I down. guess it wasn't your drinking arm. No. Um... So, yeah, the following morning I woke up. Obviously, I couldn't move it. And that's when, yeah, I went to the hospital, found this out. So I'm in a sling. So anyway, Nina's like, come in anyway. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe, you know, they want me to come in. Maybe we're just going to have a chat. Um, I was still booked for the five days. So I was like, okay, fine. Um, you know, maybe there's some things they want me to maybe consult on or something. So anyway, I get in and uh, no, no, lo and behold, there I am. There's a producer sat next to me. They're like, right, let's uh, let's get straight into cutting a poultry. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
because this had happened the two days before, I hadn't professionally done as much prep as I'd like to. So I'd never played poker in my life at this point, I should point out. You see, this is the thing. I thought this story was building up to the fact that, you know, I worked in these documentaries, I worked on these TV adverts, but all the time, you know, I was grinding the uh, No Limit Hold'em mid-stakes and my dream was to work on a televised <laughs> poker show. But no, you literally stumbled into the job with a broken arm and have to sit down and cut poker having never played a hand of it in your life. Yeah, exactly. But um, so, yeah, it went, and I've got to say it went terribly. I'd like to say that it went really well, but it went terribly. Well, how are you still here then? Um, well, the, well, this is a good, I don't know. I don't <laughs> the know. Same reason, James, the same reason you and I are still here. In the early days of poker, the bar was so fucking low. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've got to agree with you. Yeah. Um, basically, I mean, to give you some background, what we do is when, when when hands are cut, say any particular hand in a show, they're obviously at the various different angles, camera angles, and they are all grouped together in what's called multicam. What this means is on the screen, you can flick through the various angles to choose the angle that you want on screen. Now, this is some good behind the scenes stuff, Gary, because I think a lot of people are going to say, well, hang on a second, we watch the webcast, yeah. and when the webcast goes out, there is clearly someone cutting between those cameras, Yes. and surely when you're making the TV shows, all you're doing is just cutting down what's on the webcast. Don't say that, James. Job's no, <laughs> I know, but I'm saying that's the perception. I yeah. want you to tell them the reality. Of course, well, yeah. Gary, it's... we all know it's very difficult to do that when you're still using the four VCRs hooked up together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh yeah um well yeah that is true sort of on you know when we're on location um there's a director and a vision mixer and they're cutting live as such but when we get back um when we get back to to base and we want to do these shows obviously um there are going to be there are hands that were you know that, that did make the make the webcast which will of course be in the show and then you have what's called a line cut which is the pre-cut um, the pre-cut edit as such that was uh, made on location, which you use as a guide, but it could be you need a section to be a bit longer or, you know, not, not cheating it as such, but you might want to, we might have cut away to someone else where we want to stay on a different player for various reasons, commentary and the, and the search. Or how so, about we just can't have like a 22-minute tank in the middle of the hand? Exactly, exactly. You might have to cut the time down for TV purposes. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot that goes that goes into into the actual cutting of hands themselves. I'm just interested. How the hell did you approach cutting a poker show, having never played a hand of poker in your life? Well, yeah. Well, what happened was I obviously had, didn't <laughs> understand any of the terminology. So like, where where, where this thing's multi, to go back, where this thing's set up multicam, so you can flick through angles. Um, I'd be sat next to my producer, and I'd just very slowly, he'd say something like, "Oh, uh, right, can we just get the flop up?" And I, you know, I have no idea what that means. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just clicking very slowly. With one hand. With one hand, hoping that someone's going to say, right, thanks. First couple of times <laughs> it didn't happen. So it's like, could you go back? Oh, yeah, I, just, I missed the flop. There it is. And this happened for turn, river, uh, and everything. So yeah. How long would you say it took you before you actually understood the mechanics of how to play a hand of poker? I think I'm still learning, if I'm being honest. No, nah, you see, now he's bullshitting here, Joe, because I actually have played heads up against Gary at Toronto Airport, and he is no slouch. I thought it was going to be an easy walk, but no, he put up a good fight. Yeah, Gary, I think, likes poker at this point, like, actually likes the game, true? I do like the game, yeah, I, I can't say that. I, don't. I joke around with people saying that, you know, oh, I, I came into this not understanding poker, not being a fan of it, but after if being involved in it for, you know, for the last... Five years of staff, but seven years, I'd say, probably freelance as well. You can't not appreciate the skill involved and um, in the game itself. Yeah, it's it's great to watch, I think. 
So over the course of the last couple of years, you've had Kid Poker, Duel, Shark Cage. Uh, obviously, you've talked about all of the kind of other elements as well, like those opening and closing videos. Obviously, Kid Poker was something which, you know, we, we've heard a lot about that it was actually, you know, kind of uh, started short form and then became this long form, became this full length documentary. Jewel was clearly something very different. Shark Cage was different to any of the other TV shows you make. Of those three things, which was the hardest? Ooh. Tough question. And the right. reason I ask is because you know as well as I do, Joe, that uh, Gary was here literally every hour of every day working on all three of those projects. Yeah, it was pretty insane, the the work ethic that this kid has uh, or, you know, just his ability to follow orders. But one or the other, <laughs> he is a very hard worker. And I forgot we were supposed to do this interview with Gary having an American accent so we could get fucking Kid Poker nominated for an American <laughs> Poker Award. We're going to have to start over. Oh, no, come on. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, look, they're all they're all hard for diff differing reasons. Um, Shark Cage is hard technically to get correct, as is as is Jewel. But I'd have to say the hardest is Kid Poker, purely from from the from the point of you're telling someone's story as well. Yeah. So um, you know that you have a duty to tell that tell their story correctly, tell it in the right manner, as, as everyone who works on the team knows with editing and making shows uh, across the board, you can, you can manipulate footage. You can manipulate things to come across a certain way, a way that you want them to. But when you're, you know, uh, which is something that you have to make sure doesn't happen when you're telling the story of a person and, and, you know, and their life story, it's just, it was very hard making sure that, um, that you're telling the story as true, as true as possible. Uh, so yeah, I'd say from that point of view, Kipo was hard. And also just because of the amount of, um, footage that was involved, because obviously we had, uh, Francine Watson, co-director who did all the interviews, he's amazingly talented. Uh, we had the interviews that, that were going to make up the piece, but in terms of, um, footage, we went back through a, you know, back to about season seven, I think. And, and earlier in terms of hands, but of just shots of Daniel and nice footage of Daniel. Um, so obviously it's a huge library to go through and uh, catalog all of that, all of that footage and pull it together. So it was, it was a, it was a really big ask. Yeah, for sure. Gary, look, you've cut a bunch of stuff in addition to kid poker, by the way, I cried a lot. <laughs> um, some of your closers make me cry. Uh, and particularly uh, the one at the end of the EPT uh, from Prague this year uh, made me cry a lot. Do you ever see something you've cut and like push your chair back and just be like, fuck yeah. And then just like, like admire your giant erection. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be honest. I don't, to be honest with you. Your I reaction think... is normally it was fine. Yeah. It's like, it's Gary, not... it's amazing. It's fine. I think anyone, as I'm sure we all do when you, when you're working on it yourself, I think when I watch things back after, I just sort of, I see how I could have probably made it better or what I would have liked to have done differently. Don't get me wrong, I'm always proud of all the work we do, and it's not like, you know, it's not like I don't want to make it sound like it's just me sat there doing it. It's not. There's a lot of people involved to make all of the openers and closers we do. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, to be honest, I sort of sit there and see next time I would have probably done this a bit differently. Well, I'm glad you brought up the subject of the openers and closers, Joe, because it is the subject of this week's Superfan game. Superfan. Versus states. I gotta say, 
I totally disagree with Gary. I see the stuff I do and I'm like, God, I'm fucking great. <laughs> and then you read the comments on YouTube and uh, <laughs> what a blow, what a crushing blow that is. Uh, so over the years, Gary, and I appreciate that you haven't necessarily cut every single one, but you're normally across the creative of those opening and closing videos from the webcast and from the TV shows. Now, Joe, when we are on location, we see the opening video every single day so realistically between five and nine times plus of course we sit there and watch the closing video as well and everyone knows that you have the memory of an elephant so i'm confident that you are going to remember all of these pieces of music from all of the events that we've worked at over the last few years you're talking to me yes what kind of elephant are we talking about? Like an elephant with Alzheimer's? Yes, I did leave out that pertinent detail. Uh, so here's how the game is going to work. I've got 10 pieces of music. Um, now, Gary, I'm going to... I have to handicap the game, otherwise Joe stands no chance at all. So, Joe, you get first dibs on all of them, right? And anything you can't answer goes to Gary. So what okay, I want to so know... So me, guy who's barely paying attention as the show's getting started because I, like, haven't even opened up, you know, the, the relevant paperwork i need for doing that day's broadcast versus the guy who literally picked out the music and put it in the trap put it in the video yes i just want to point okay. out i might be terrible at this it's been a long time well let's He's, see it's it, it might not be as one-sided as you think no. now there are but several points of joe's listening and watching these things when they go out i'm glad about that <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when i prod him with a stick and say oh watch this um crucially i want to know what event it was from what season it was from, whether it's an opener or a closer, and if you can name the title of the track, well, that's a bonus. So, Joe, here's the first one. How many of the blanks can you fill in and the one pieces of the puzzle you can't complete, hopefully Gary can. Okay, so one more time. It's event, season, and then opener or closer. And the name of the track. Okay, this is from Monaco. Correct. Um, and it was season frig season, uh, 11. Correct. And I want to call it. You only live once. Correct. But I feel like, Oh, there we go. And was Got it an it. opener or a closer? It was the opener. Joe just oh, went four for four. Nailed it. He just went wow. four for four. I think that's literally the only one I'm going to get. Oh, okay, you know so what? we start. I've got to be honest, I don't think I would have got all that. Okay, I've got. I'm. I'm pretty sure that that Gary has the advantage with audio clip number two. What can you tell me about that one, Joe? Um. That was Barcelona. No. Season 12. No. It was a uh, opener. No. <laughs> Gary, put him out of his misery. Oh, I don't even remember what? the last category. <laughs> this is a tough one. Is this season? Is this season 13? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you've also picked the instrumental version. Ah, exactly. Oh, hang on, hang on. Can I hear it again? Oh, this is the Pokestars Championship closer? Yes! Okay, this is the Pokestars Championship closer, and the song is called... It's called Neon Dreams? 
Neon lights. Neon gonna, lights. Oh. I'm going to give you half a point. So the score is four points for Joe, two and a half points for Gary as we move on to number three. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You got uh, it, Joe. It has all a shimmy and dancing. He like has his arms going up and down. Man, I feel like it's Monaco again. It is. Uh, season twelve. No. And it was a uh, an opener. It was. Do you know the name of the track? The name of the track is. Funky Banana Land. Okay, let's see. So, Gary, Joe did not get the season or the name of the track. Okay, season. <laughs> I've got to try and remember the season. Season 10? It was season 10. And Do you know the name of the track? It's called It Is In Your Eyes. It Is In Your Eyes, and the score is now six points to Joe, four and a half to Gary. He's oh. catching. Uh, it's in your eyes and in your face. Okay, now this one is... And in your ears. This one is particularly tough. <laughs> we've we've, we've just never used that, surely. We have used that, and I the the one clue I'm going to give here is that we have had more requests for the name of that track than any other piece of music we have ever used on anything. Wow, Prague? No. Season thirteen? No. If you can't get the event, you don't get to guess <laughs> at the season. Oh, okay. Um. The name of the track is Show Me What You Got. No. Uh, Gary, do you know anything about this piece of music? Have you done something to that? No, Have nothing you... at all. Um, I, the... think it was, I think that was Million Dollar Challenge Season 2. <laughs> it's actually a piece of music called Spectrums. Which Spectrums? Was, yes, which was used as the opener at the EPT-11 Malta live stream. Right. Okay, next one. This is easy. That was Malta season 13.5, and uh, it was the name of the track is called Game of Games. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you did get the right event though. Is it an opener or a closer? An opener. It was an opener. Do you know the name of the track? It's not called Game of Games. It's not. Do you know the name of the track, Gary? No, it was know. called Seafarer. I didn't work on that one, I don't think. But you were responsible for the dragon. I did make the dragon. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think we should let Gary go first on some of these because it's it's sometimes it's really easy to pick off the the event. Okay. For the next two, Gary gets to go first. Am I getting hammered here? Is that what's happening? <laughs> that is Barcelona season thirteen closer. Yes. yes. Will Cookson. Yes. Is the artist, and the song is called. Oh. Blumford and Bluns. Do you know what? I can't tell you the name. It was called When I Was Younger. When I Was Younger, I should have got that. Uh, let's see how you do on the next one, then. This is, again, something I didn't cut, I believe. Don't stop. Burr, 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 burr. Joe, like do you have any idea? Um... Why would I not know what season it's from? Because uh, it was a Malta. 
No, it's because it was from PCA 2015. It was the opener and it was called Summer Paradise. Oh, that's terrible. I did cut that. Uh, <laughs> okay, Gary, you've got to get this one. Okay. You must know this one. Yes. It made grown men cry, Gary. What is it? This is the Prague Closer. Yes. It's Shooting Stars by Will Cook. It is indeed. He ran the board on that one. Okay, Joe, you're back to going first. Let's see how you do with this. What's the score? I kind of lost count a little bit. I think you've got... No, Gary's now got the slight lead. Um, Balta Season 12. Closer. <laughs> No, do you know what it is, Gary? It's a tough. This is the toughest it's one by tough. far. I this mean, is the toughest one by it far. It sounds really familiar to me. Uh, the, it's like the end of it. Isn't what if it? I tell you the track is called "Bigger, Stronger"? Again, I know the name, but it was the EPT Eleven Barcelona opener. Okay, oh, final really? question. Final question. Uh, let's see, Joe, how you fare with this one. Uh, that was uh, EPT Dallas <laughs> season 10 the opener no Gary Kid Poker it is it was a trick question and for that alone uh, <coughs> Gary seals the deal I think you did have the slight lead anyway I've got Joe on 9 points and you on 4.5 8.5 uh, 11 12 we'll call it 12 um Unsurprisingly, Gary, you did know a little bit more about the music, even though Joe had the advantage at the start. <laughs> um, obviously, you're not eligible to win the, uh, the, the, the $27 tournament ticket. But if you'd like, I will give you. And everyone loves a chop pot hoodie. I would love and everyone loves a chop pot hoodie. And I mean that genuinely. He did. He, love I can tell. I know when Gary's yeah. being sincere. I never get free stuff. Gary, thank you very much for coming on the show and not pulling out the last minute this time. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Next time, it looks like we're going to have another Poker Stars TV home game. Yes, you might remember that in March of last year, uh, Matt Broughton and I hosted an evening of home games. I have rebranded what was the EPT Live Home Game Club to be the Poker Stars TV Home Game Club. And very soon, we're going to confirm the night confirm some twitch coverage confirm the games but yeah it looks like uh, matt and i are going to be playing on poker stars and hopefully many of you will be able to join us so if it's a home game i still can't do it even if i'm here i'm afraid it's going to be real money joey uh real money home game what about what what maybe i could be maybe i could stream it somehow with you guys does that work or no uh maybe we could skype you in i think i'm going to go around to broughton's house and we're going to do it on his twitch stream hopefully get pokestars to host it but yeah if you can uh if you can join us via the miracles of modern technology just as we do for the podcast then it'd be great if you could drop in yeah i'll try to get on board for that just uh you know let me know the dates when you when you start getting them but weren't you thinking of actually having a home game of your own and i don't mean like the the poker stars home game i'm talking about a game where people human beings come around to your house and play an actual poker table yes i was thinking of doing that getting one going again you know that's how i got my start in all of this and all of poker because i had like a weekly home game um that you know just was a way for me to get my friends to come together and it slowly developed into one of the it was like eventually three tables um but yeah i i finally cleaned out my loft a couple months ago so i got the poker table up there and things are ready to go so i'm either gonna have one soon 
or I will play in someone else's because I feel like just talking a little bit of p- more poker on the show, you know, if we can get out there and play a little bit, it's always fun when we just tell the anecdotes of what happens in these little tournaments and games. So just for a little show content, I'm probably going to get out there and play a little bit. Also, Tiffany Michelle has been inviting me to this Hollywood home game that I'm hoping I can play it and bring back some anecdotes for you guys from that. Uh, and I guess speaking of Hollywood, we've got uh, some Holly- a Hollywood super fan next week. Yeah, we're going to be answering questions about the movie Rounders. Awesome. Um, I you know, might be a good excuse to rewatch Rounders. I haven't seen that movie in probably 10 years. So uh, I'll do my best to watch that. For now, that is all the time we've got for this week's show. Until next time, he is James Hardigan. I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.